Welcome back to another impactful night of the Impact of Educational Leadership. This is episode 101. I'm your host, Daddy Three Parts of Drone Search. Tonight's panelists are Kendrick Bullard, Buddy Thornton, and Dr. Bethany Hernandez Parks. Buddy Thornton, please say hello to the people. Good evening to everybody, and good evening to my esteemed panel mates, and uh, we are going to rock it up tonight. And Dr. Bethany Hernandez Parks. Good evening. I'm excited to talk tonight and uh, cover such an important topic. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. And superstar Kendrick Bullard, please say hello to the people. Hey, with love in my heart, it's always a pleasure to communicate with everybody. I uh, I just hope that everybody understands that we are all in a level of uh, learning, and compassion is definitely something that opens it up. You know, and that's the word for tonight. We'll take that, compassion. Well, tonight's topic is 100 and Beyond Anti-Bullying Campaign's Post-Pandemic Plan. Bullying is becoming an epidemic in America, and social media has helped catapult it to an astronomical level where parents, educators, and those in positions to help do not know what to do. Studies show that half of workplace bullying and 40% of school bullying will go unreported. Bullying means a single significant act or a pattern of acts by one or more students directed at another student that exploits an imbalance of power and involves engaging in written or verbal expression, expressions through electronic means or physical conduct of a person or a group. Bullying is a aggressive behavior that negatively affects adolescents' academics, social, emotional, and psychological development. Bullying is oftentimes a repeated offense. That means it's frequent, it's intentional, and it's harmful behavior of one or more students against weaker students. Victims of bullying can typically go from powerlessness and anxiety to isolation and physical ailments consequences of bullying can run a wide range of difficulties. Nevertheless, knowing how family members might be affected by bullying can help reduce the overall impact of bullying. Tonight, we're going to speak, I believe, with the spirit of compassion. And with that being said, I'm going to pull first from Kendrick Bullard. Kendrick Sir, KB, please tell the audience a little bit about what you're doing now in the world today so we can get engaged and get involved with this next question. Well, uh, yeah. the short story, well, the short story is that, uh, you know, compassion is a huge part of everything that we It is to, uh, to help everybody focus on the things that we can do right instead of the things that we can do wrong. Now, we talk about bullying, and I understand that, but, you know, Mother Teresa said it best that if we were to embrace what we want instead of embracing what we don't want, she would show up for the rallies every day, all day. And I paraphrase, of course, because all we're doing is making certain that we follow her suit. 
if we do the things that we need to do and focus on the things, if we think about the things that are right and do the things and embrace the changes that are taking place, it makes it easier to do the things that we want to do. Now, again, I know we talked about bullying for a long period of time. A part of what I did both in the NFL uh, and, oh, I'm sorry, four years of the NFL, four years of the United States, I'm sorry, 28 years of the United States military, and I do engineering work on the side. And that's what I've done in the past. But, of course, what I'm doing now is building a, a level of, what I try to do is build character within the individual people, whether they, however they, however old age they may have or they may appear to have, everybody has the infinite level of capacity to learn. So if we focus on the things that matter and build them up from, from where they are, instead of putting them in a box of some sort, it just makes it easier for all the us to do what we want. Engineering and energy and, and, and all the things that I've done in the past all tie back to one thing, being proud of yourself and embracing the change. Because if you love yourself and God at the same time, it makes it easier to love your neighbor. You know, when I hear you speak, not only do I hear passion, but I hear compassion. No wonder why that's the word for it this evening, tonight, compassion. You know, KB, there are some expectations that I'm going to be getting from you and expecting from you uh, tonight with this, this first question to start this discussion. And those expectations are tied to and aligned to a certain outcome, a certain feedback that's going to be necessary, okay, for our adolescents, our children, our youth, right, to go and move beyond positively as it relates to growing up, as it relates to positive youth development post this pandemic that we have called or entitled COVID-19. And so the expectation is for positive change positive change in, in our home, in our schools, in different environments throughout those layers, as Buddy Thornton will always call it, bi-directionally. So with that being said, Kendrick Bullard, my question to you to start this conversation off, I want you to be transparent. Was bullying in your environment? And if it was, was it a challenge for you in your youth? And what types of, shall I say, school-based or site-based or facility-based decision-making strategies did you see that worked when you grew up? And if you could offer some ideas to some of those strategies that you learned maybe in the NFL, that some school leaderships can listen in on, that they can help put into motion, and that they can set in place in their school environment to help students recognize and manage and react 
to being bullied if they are bullied. So I'm asking you to be transparent like you always are anyway. But have you ever experienced bullying while you when you grew up and just in your life in general? That's that's my question. No, absolutely. Hey, you know I'm going to be transparent with everybody, with all of you. The main thing is, why don't we redefine a little bit? If you guys don't mind, I'd like to be able to change the bullying from embrace whatever change takes place in my environment, because that's what I did. Every time somebody said something uh, different to me or negative to me, you know, I figured out a creative way to be able to get this through the mind. Now, it wasn't always the case, and I wasn't always the bigger guy. I grew up in San Diego, and I, uh, you know, people used to call me everything from, you know, gay to just because of the way I sounded. I was more of an intellectual. But growing up, I realized that I realized that being a huge part of any well, you know what? I didn't know it then. But focus I was just focused on on, on you know, trying to understand why this these people uh why somebody was being uh abrasive to me. So if we judge think about it like this. I am trying to make certain we get rid of the words that are out there. We have to embrace whoever comes to it. When we talk about love being a superpower, it's even more than that. It's our original state of being. And at the end of the day, it's about us being able to talk to the, the, the next person and befriend that person. And it eventually starts to get to a point where you do start to love them. Now, absolutely, people try to pick on me every day, but it took me a while for me to really understand why they, you know, why they were, you know, why I got hit several times in the mouth. But you got to understand that the responses are, are what carries us forward and allows us to grow. I'm not saying everybody has to do it the same way, but my way was talking to the individual. Or uh, at some point, you just had to realize that it wasn't me that was at fault ever. And that the person wasn't at fault either. You know, because so to answer your first question, absolutely, we all have people that we have to be able uh, to embrace in some form or fashion through a a loving manner and or or, uh, indirect or direct manner. But I don't want to call it bullying because everybody... Everybody has to be, we all have to live with each other. Now, I teach my sons how to embrace. I teach them to be smarter in the situation. I teach them a lot of uh, what they call me esoteric math, quantum physics. I teach them everything that they want to do instead of pushing them to do what they don't want to do. I always ask questions. And I've always been a really good reader of people you know, when things happen. So it made it easy. You know, I'm a pretty good father, I think. So I've been able to embrace my son's growth. Well, actually, both of my son's growth. And they, they've they gone on to some great careers, both in engineering, but I taught them quantum physics at an earlier age. All that means is that I taught them to think away, think away from the hurt and the pain both physically and 
the hurt that they instill on everybody else. Because if you're a hurt hawk and you and you don't heal yourself, all you're going to do is we're going to end up with more hurt hawks. So embracing who you are is probably the best thing. That's the best way to heal for everybody. And we all, we all have the inherent ability uh, to know what we want. And again, it's about staying away from what we don't want and staying in the lane of what we want. There's no right or wrong to live this world, but there is right or wrong. For me, it's about positive and negative uh, in terms of growth for the people that we're dealing with. And change comes within first and then from without, oh, and then from out. In other words, if the finger will always come back at me when in terms of helping my family and friends, all of us, we all have to live in this world together. But the quickest of where we resolve every issue is that we dig deep inside us and ask some of the hidden questions that help us to all embrace who we are instead of who we're not. Or actually, I don't want to, end you, I, I don't want to leave it with a... Uh, yeah, uh, just a, a negative connotation of some sort, but we all have to embrace who we are. And when you do that, it makes it easier for all of us to do great things. It takes away the ceiling, the perceived ceiling that we have. That was a lot of spirituality in what you said. And I think it was more spiritual than it was psychologically. Okay, you... You were transparent. And in your transparency, I I heard a young man that was I, I heard I heard little KB. I heard I heard the boy how you when you grew up, you just wanted to be understood. And so understanding is is tied to I believe conduct. But even in that you were so resilient even as a young man, uh with all of the things you experienced, you endured, being in different places where young people around you were, we can say, social, economically disadvantaged, maybe based off of uh, their their upbringing. Who, who knows? But it was those characteristics that helped shape you into the person that you are, almost like your experiences were, if we were to use a taxonomy, your experiences were a pencil sharpener, and you were the pencil. Though the pencil sharpener crushes the pencil, the end result is that the pencil is not only sharp, but it's also smooth. And so it can begin to write its story, or your story, right, in the form of experience or a testimonial of what you endured to make you the person who you are. And in that, you, you found your core, which was love. Your core, your superpower that you found was love. So we know that love has to be tied to compassion so that we can help give our students our, our future those tools, those toolkits for positive 
social change. I, I love I love what you said because though you endured this repeatedly, these experiences, these behaviors, they, they were aggressive behaviors towards you. But because of your inner man, your inner superman of power, it caused you to be the person who you are today and that you were my commander in the, in the army. <laughs> you were a NFL Super Bowl champion. <laughs> you are you are a hero. You're a champion. And so champions are not born. They are made. I, I, I'll thank you for adding so much, so much quality and value to this podcast. Let me go to my my next panelist. I'm so glad to have her back here once again. And you know I'm going to invite you back. But that is in the person of Dr. Bethany Hernandez Parks. Please say hello to the people and tell us what you're doing out there in California. Hello. Good evening. All my education has been focused on uh, and youth development. Um, and then most recently I earned my doctorate in educational leadership as, and the concentration in educational psychology. With my dissertation work um, studying early childhood educators and determining if and how they um, are prepared to meet the culturally responsive uh, needs of their students. Um, so that's a little bit about me academically and uh, career-wise. Um, I've worked in a lot of different roles um, in the education system, particularly focusing in early education. Um, and I did have a long career as a product developer, along with some time teaching at the community college. And presently, I'm working as a consultant um, supporting early childhood administrators and in, in making sure that they can deliver programs that um, that are high quality and meet the needs of their students. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, before I ask you a question, I will ask you to describe what you are taking away from this conversation so far tonight. What, if you were to have a word to describe this, this conversation so far, what, how would you describe it in, in one word? And why would you describe it that way? It's so much work um, that you have to do inside um, yourself to understand what's happening to you, or even if you're someone who is like doing actions that are harming others, um, that's still something that like you need to do work inside yourself to understand and to change. Um, and if you're the recipient of that, then I think it's work that you have to do to heal yourself. So I think this conversation is insightful to kind of bring perspective to that, this topic in that way. Um, and then I think it's a good takeaway for others who may say be educators or um, administrators or who, what have you, just to just get a broader understanding and remember the importance of speaking to helping each individual person. You know, I I was very, I was very, I would say, very focused when picking this panel for this topic. And I, one of the reasons why I I wanted to pick you for this topic 
was because of the navigational toolkits that you have, that you have implemented as it relates to these different concepts that we're going to be talking about tonight, as it relates to getting that uh, the, those change process steps and those internalized change implementations that that we need, and because it's directly focused, like Kendrick said, to compassion. And it's that insight that I ask you this question, how will supporting young people to become positive change makers, how will this help educators combat bullying for full capacity, bi-directional, that is family, community, school, especially during the school reentry of 2021-2022 school term. That's my question for you. So my thought is we can't deny that there's going to be some issues when students are in school socializing in person after a year or so out of school. There might be anxieties or just there's been a lot of changes. There's been a lot of things people have gone through. And like you mentioned, it's, we're talking about, say, the student, but the student has a family. The family has had various factors happen to them in the past year or may have feelings about school reentry and just, you know, the present situation at hand. So that being said, I think it is important to give students some tools and hit the problem head on. Uh, and I think it's really important to remember how powerful and capable our young people are and that they definitely have the capacity to own and correct this issue if they are the ones implementing it or if it, um, it's happening to them or if they see it happening to someone else. So I think that means educators need to be keenly aware of this and as educators, I really feel one of the most important things that you can do as a leader is to lead by example. That being said, the educators really need to make sure they're, they're working hard to respect the, the students, the boundaries, the anxieties, um, and still try to make a connection with them, um, working to recognize the students and and their emotional um, well-being at, at the present state and and making sure that they are also holding themselves to say, the same standards that say they would hold their students to with um, in regards to speaking respectfully and, and working hard to use positive communication methods and things of that nature. They also need to do that with their peer educators and their administrators as well because the students are watching. Um, and I think this can be really important because it can facilitate opportunities for our educators to support the, the students to resolve issues on their own. Um, and really what I think is important as educators is that we want to do is allow students to engage in intersectionality by um, approaching problems with an open mind and by asking them helping them to see like how they can solve their own problems um, internally or within groups and 
basically help to contribute um, alleviating the issues overall. And I think it's really important that uh, educators um, should teach and encourage experiences where children can work together. Sorry, children, they could be young adults as well. Children and young adults could work to make positive changes um, within, say, themselves or the classroom. Um, those, it could create a ripple effect that eventually could, you know, impact the school and say the community at hand. And educators have a unique role in the sense that they are the ones who are creating opportunities for students to say work together um, in order to combat issues of bullying or um, any sort of adversity. They have an opportunity to do, say, uh, projects where students would get together with students that they may never work with on their own, but they have the opportunity to, to collaborate and learn new things about, say, another person, and then therefore uh, maybe take away some of the preconceived notions they had about that person and start to break down some of the walls. I do think a unique challenge that educators have at this time is the inf influence and impact of social media. Um, and I'm not advocating for educators to be active on social media, but I do think it's something that they are aware of and just supporting opportunities that they can offer in the school setting that really help to bridge collaboration and um, help other students see each other's creativity, their, their skills um, can really help to create bonds with students that maybe would have not really um, connected in the past. You know, absolutely, absolutely. You know, California has one of the largest numbers of educators and students in America. Um, you have different, you know, of course, you got different school unions that's out there that's represented. And <clears throat> so they are a huge force. They're in the top three of the largest school districts statewide in the United States. And so, and I guess this is a question for the panel, because when, when we begin to start partnering, when these partnerships come available, you, you're an educational consultant. And so when, when these partnerships come available for people to come in and start observing uh, those changes, observing how um, students and teachers, educators, students are interacting. And this is a question for the board who wants to take this they can. But what are the ways that we can begin to detect those changes, whether they're going negatively or positively, uh, as it relates to the change? How can we start uh, implementing strategies to detect those those change processes uh, with student behavior? And we're talking about bullying tonight, but as it relates to bullying, how can we detect bullying? Who, who wants to take that question? Silence is a killer. What you have to understand is that when children are not talking, they have a problem. And if they are not talking, they don't trust anyone around them to share that problem with. And staff and administrators, even school bus drivers, custodians, it doesn't matter. People need to be aware when a child clams up and they're just being silent and it becomes protracted and it becomes a huge cloud over that child, 
that is one of the biggest warning signs. And all teachers need to understand that children love to be social animals. Even those who are introverts at least have to be social animals with their small core group. So when they start exhibiting signs of abject silence and withdrawal, they have an issue that needs to be addressed. I think uh, Buddy added some some great points. I, I definitely think silence is a huge indicator that there is a problem. And uh, yes, uh, children and adolescents are, you know, just like adults, really want to be social. Um, I think another way that you can see if a, if a child is disengaged is just by, um, it could be silence, but it could be, you know, documenting, say, their participation um, in their in their schoolwork or even in activities that they used to engage in regularly. So say in the playground, for instance, they, this child used to love playing basketball um, and they're not doing that anymore. And they're also not, uh, not answering math questions aloud as they used to um, in the group, in the classroom, for instance. Um, so kind of watching behaviors on top of, say, silence, I think are, are important indicators that you can watch for. And then grades, obviously, uh, tell a story um, as well that, you know, something's going on and there's, there's an issue with the child that is showing that they're disengaged somewhere. I think the one, oh, I'm sorry, by the way, this is Kendrick. Uh, one way we can focus on getting creating some type of uh, system that allows us to embrace that as a person. In other words, create a quote-unquote buddy system, a buddy system that allows us to learn about that other individual, do a report on the individual. I mean, there are so many different things that we could do, and we can embrace the IT systems that allow the information to come from outside sources that Help, help facilitate those changes. But the other thing is, like I said, the body system and allowing us to look at, allowing one person to learn about the other person will actually uh, create a systemic change, a systemic spiritual and physical change that's going to allow us to understand who we really are internally. Because once, once those questions I mean, once they start learning about somebody else, they'll go for it. It's just like a bug. They'll read it, no, they'll embrace it, and they'll they'll want to do it more. And now the other thing is, man, we got to be, we got to get to the point where we start learning other languages to embrace, have somebody else embrace another language. But for me, it's about being able to bridge IT internally. I mean, bridge both IT and and all kinds of other technologies within the community uh, so that we can get access. I mean, they, so that we can access things that add value to the person and to uh, the person that, that, that is probably an opportunity. In other words, it's about, for me, it's about being able to create a level of compassion from learning about others' responsibilities and expectations and the good stuff that comes, the good stuff that they, they learn about the good stuff that comes along 
with each individual person. And we make time for that. Buddy Thornton, the positive change agent pro. Please say hello again to the people and let us know what you're doing. You guys are all doing so much, but we're so proud of you. What do you got going on now, sir? Well, Isaiah, as you know, I've uh, dusted off my uh, in-person training modules, and I'm uh, presenting all 19 of those modules uh, uh, as a uh, live uh, presentation format, and we're converting them to webinar formats uh, so that we can embrace the digital age, and that's taken a lot of my time, uh, as well as uh, authoring uh, books and uh, and uh, trying to help people. That's what I do. That is what you do. Buddy Thornton, the Positive Social Change Agent Pro. You've heard this discussion tonight. You've had time to synthesize it and analyze it. Uh, I know you. You've you've looked at it. You've observed it through a microscope. You heard the concepts. You heard the different strategies, the different ways that we can implement these into different settings, whether they be educational or family. And that partnership is something that I know you were really keen on hearing. My question for you, sir, tonight, because I'm never going to ask you a simple question. You know that. I'm going to always ask you a loaded question because I love the way you take complex questions that I throw at you at full speed, like fastballs, and you regurgitate them in a way that's so simple. And I throw you a a baseball, you give me a flower. (laughs) So let's see if you can do it with this one. I'm curious. What are the actions that a student should take to obtain assistance and intervention in response to being bullied? That's my question for you tonight. Isaiah, I'm going to start off with a position statement that I have made many, many times to many, many groups. Bullying is ubiquitous, unfortunately. We are humans, and conflict, unfortunately, is very normalized across society. But the best way to approach bullying is proactively. Intervention is optimized when you approach it proactively, not reactively. You have to work diligently to create an environment where bullying is brought into the light of day. Because the one thing that bullying cannot ever survive, it's being exposed to the light of day. Bullies operate in the shadows. They operate in secrecy because a bully who is out in in the plane of sight of day, isn't a bully. He's a criminal. You know, you can't do the things that bullies do in front of other people without being called out, arrested, incarcerated, you know, charged with crimes. So let's just call it what it is. Bullying is criminal activity that is hidden from plain view. And unfortunately, low-level bullying may not rise to a criminality situation, especially in some school context where Children are ostracized or they're picked on. Perhaps they're marginalized because maybe they're socioeconomically challenged uh, compared to other students. But at the end of the day, treating someone as a less than is still wrong behavior. So 
the staff and the school should automatically build a proactive environment where bullying is addressed up front. You can do it a couple of ways. Number one, you can have group affirmation. You can have sessions where the entire school addresses bullying, and you can have an affirmation statement saying, we agree that bullying is a bad behavior, and we're going to empower all students to interact in a certain way to prevent bullying. And then it's up to the staff to start building the individual empowerment structure so that the individuals can do the things that I'll talk about. But then you also have the ability to have peer mediation. Some schools have peer mediation. In California, there's a lot of peer mediation going on. And peer mediation is where the students themselves, with the guidance of the counselors and some of the staff and some parents in some peer mediation situations, monitor the involvement. But they allow the children to come up with their own creative solutions to conflict within the school environment. And they allow the children to understand that the best way to remove bullying is by interacting and engaging and understanding what's causing the bullying and allowing the bullying to naturally be disengaged by calling it out, by bringing it out and just saying, we're not going to tolerate this. And once the bully understands that they're not going to be tolerated, they stop bullying. Now, the Internet, digital devices have allowed bullying to continue unabated away from the school and after school, that's a totally different conversation. And I, I don't have all the answers there, and that wasn't what the question was. But at the end of the day, what can a student do? Well, number one, understand the reality of social, uh, the social order. Every school, every environment, business, adult, children, they deal with pecking orders. There's always going to be a pecking order. There's always going to be an alpha. There's always going to be people below the alpha. There's always going to be people who think they have the power to control a group or that they can engage in activities because they just think that they're better or stronger or more intelligent. They can do what they want to do. So if they understand there's a pecking order, then they have to understand that, like Kendrick said, we can have a buddy effect. We can have a buddy system. If you feel like you're being overpowered by someone who is an alpha, you can have a buddy to go to and you can lean on them for strategic protection. You can also lean on them to empower yourself. You may feel like you can't do anything when you're alone, but if you've got someone at your shoulder, now you can stand up for yourself. One of the things I work on the most is relationships. And as we've discussed in many of these podcasts, relationships is what drives society. So if you allow children to gravitate to what is known as a dyadic primacy effect, where every student has that one person that they can lean on when they're having the most level of stress, then anytime they feel bullied or they know that bullying is being engaged in, they can shrink back to that dyadic partner and they can avoid thinking into isolation because isolation is total failure. Isolation is where we end up with a lot of self-harm activity and although we're not going to go there, that is the one thing that we have to understand. By building a process where the student feels empowered and that they can lean on that one other person, just one other person is enough to allow them to feel empowered and to focus on relationships because at the end of the day, they have to depend on that. Now, there's different relationships. 
bullying responses in the school environment should just go by layers. I mean, there's always going to be bystanders. If your one buddy isn't close by, there are going to be bystanders. Get assistance from bystanders. If there's an authority figure nearby, default to the authority figure. Because at the end of the day, you need the authority figure to step in. The goal of any intervention process, the goal of any type of way to stop bullying is to make the cost too extreme for the bully to pay. At the end of the day, if they know they're going to be exposed as a bully because all children, all teens want to be seen as social animals, once they know that the cost of being a bully is too high to pay, at some point they're going to choose not to be a bully. In extreme cases, we're not going to have that, that outcome. But those, those are out of my hands. Those are out of your hands. No administrator, nobody is going to be able to solve those problems. But statistically, if we can bring bullying out into the light of day and we can make the cost too extreme for the bully to pay, we can defeat bullying across the board. Listen, listen, listen. That was Buddy Thornton the positive social change agent pro. Tonight's topic is 100 and beyond anti-bullying campaign post-pandemic plan. This was another impactful night of Impact Education Leadership. This is episode 101. Panelists tonight were Kendrick Bullard, Buddy Thornton, the positive social change agent pro, and Dr. Bethany Hernandez-Parks. Good night. <laughs>